Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author, and Property Investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And in this episode, we're continuing where we left off in the last episode. In the last episode, I started telling you 10 things that I've learned in the last 20 years as a property investor. I've been in property for over 35 years, about 38 years, if you include my time at university. But for the last 20 years, I've been investing in my own right for myself. And these are 10 very personal lessons, I guess, which I've learned along the way, which I want to share with you. So in the last episode, I looked at the first five things. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, you might want to rewind and have a listen to that because I'm going to continue now with point number six, the sixth thing I learned, which is if you just keep going, you can achieve more than you think. I'll just say that again. If you just keep going, you can achieve more than you think. Now, there's a quote which I think sums this up perfectly, and I'm going to attribute it to Tony Robbins. I'm not entirely sure that it was Tony Robbins, but I've certainly heard Tony Robbins say it. And it's this, you'll achieve less in one year than you imagined, but you'll probably achieve more in five years than you ever thought possible. And without a doubt, I think in property, this is very true. And this is certainly very true of my experience in property. But why should this be the case? Why is it that perhaps we're not going to achieve as much in our first year as we thought we would? But why are we going to achieve more perhaps in five years than we ever could have imagined? Well, I guess regardless of whether we're talking about property or general business or any other aspect of life, maybe the truth is that when we start a project, we're going to go into it with fairly high expectations. And maybe sometimes those expectations may be a little bit unrealistically high. It could be that we've got dreams and aspirations, or it could be that by nature we're just simply optimistic people. And that makes sense as well, doesn't it? Because a trait commonly seen in entrepreneurs and highly successful people is that they are optimistic. And that's a great attribute to have, by the way. And if you're not one of the world's naturally optimistic people, if you consider yourself to be maybe slightly pessimistic, then maybe that's something to consider. Think about your mindset around stuff, because our self-talk is going to guide us so much as to whether we're going to be successful or not. And if you're telling yourself it's not going to work out, guess what? It's probably not going to work out. Anyway, I'm going off at a tangent. But the point is that perhaps because we tend to be entrepreneurial, successful property investors tend to be entrepreneurially minded, maybe most of us are actually somewhat optimistic And maybe sometimes that optimism can get a little bit carried away. After all, if we're excited, we've just done our first training, we can see a whole world of possibilities and opportunities opening up to us, and we can't wait to get out there. And we imagine it's all going to fall in our lap, and it's all going to be dead straightforward, and we're just going to get it out there and smash it, and it's all going to work out fine. Then maybe we're going to be in for a bit of a rude shock, because the reality is, and I think I said this in the last podcast, property isn't going to be a straightforward journey. Nothing is a straightforward journey. Anything which is worth doing, you're probably going to have to work pretty hard at to make it happen. And property is no different. As I often say at Masterclass, the principles behind property are simple, 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to do. There's a bit of hard graft that we have to put in. Anybody who tells you that it's easy probably isn't telling you the truth. Simple, yes, because the principles are simple. But you've actually got to get off your backside and do some work. And so it's not necessarily easy. And will there be bumps along the way? Will there be bumps in the road? Will there be obstacles? Will there be things that come along to try and derail us? Of course, of course there will be. And whilst we're building our experience, whilst we're new to property, it could well be that things that happen which are negative, things which are detrimental and which don't help, could actually appear to be far more detrimental and negative than they actually are. Why? because we don't have the experience to be able to put them into the proper perspective. But over time, we'll learn, we'll get through the setbacks, we'll find a way around setbacks, and we'll put in place proper systems which will help support our business. And looking back, these setbacks which we go through in the first year will probably seem to be much less significant. In fact, by the time you get to five years, you may be dealing with much bigger problems and you'll be looking back on the problems which seemed enormous in year one and thinking, well, they were just actually titchy problems because now I'm dealing with problems at a whole new level. But the thing is, and again, going off at a bit of a tangent, but success is all about problem solving. If you can deal with and cope with and solve the bigger problems, then you will have bigger success. Simple as. And part of our journey is actually learning how to go from the smaller problems and deal with them up through the sort of almost like a staircase of problems, getting bigger and bigger problems as we go on until we're dealing with the big problems and having really big success. So in a property sense, what's going to happen in the first year which perhaps isn't going to go as smoothly as we thought or which is going to hold us back a bit? Well, I said last time that things in property are always going to take longer than you think they are. I mean, that's one thing which is bound to happen. You go and feeling very optimistic, thinking, I'm going to buy it you know, five properties in my first six months, but actually, hey, you end up not buying any properties in your first six months. Does that mean that you're a complete complete failure? No, of course not, because in that first six months, you may have done some really great stuff like built empathy with the local estate agents, identified your goldmine area, lined up some JV finance, whatever it is. All of that stuff you can put in place, but when you look at the results, maybe the results aren't there. But then if you keep on going... It may all come together. Maybe you'll buy your first five properties in month 12. I don't know. It could all come together. Thing is, though, you've just got to keep going. And if you keep going, you will do more in time than you think you will. Why? Because, as I've already said, the processes and the systems will build. Your knowledge will build. Your experience will build. Your network will build. And you'll be able to keep using that and Yeah, outsourcing, gearing up, all of that kind of stuff will just build and you'll build a momentum which you haven't got on day one. Very important point. Momentum takes time, doesn't it? That's why it's momentum and it's not just a, I don't know, but it doesn't happen like that. You've got to keep going, you've got to push, you've got to, when you want to get that boulder moving, you've got to get your shoulder behind it and first it won't move and then it begins to move a little bit and before you know it, it's like a runaway train and you can't control it. That's what it's like in property, and all that stuff is true. Now, when I started, I had big dreams, I had big aspirations, I knew exactly what my goals were. And in my first year, I eventually got myself going and I built some momentum, and then suddenly it all just went because, and I've told you this story before, so I won't go into it in great detail, but the bank, which I was using at the time, 
And because of my personal circumstances, I imagine nobody really wanted to lend to me. And so I felt that this was the only bank I was ever going to get any money from. They said, we don't want to give you any more money for a year. We want to put you on a sabbatical. And at that point, I thought all of my dreams had died. But fast forward just a few years, and I was not just buying single properties, but I was buying whole portfolios and trading and flipping whole portfolios, which I would never have imagined on day one. How did that happen? Well, it's not because I did anything clever. It's just I kept on going. And as I kept on going, my business grew and what my business could do grew. So I started off with just one property, which is where most of us are going to start. And the business grew and I had two and then I had eight. And then I was able to buy another eight, which made it 16. And then I started buying portfolios. I never knew I was going to be able to do that. It's just a function of persistence. Persistence is so important in success, isn't it? So if you ever feel down, if you ever feel that you can't do it, if you ever feel that you've been trying really hard but you haven't got there, if you ever feel you've been trying really hard and you think you're not going to get there, then maybe just make a note of this podcast and come back to listen to, listen to this because you can do it, but you've just got to keep on going. As I often say at Masterclass, if you are in property for the long term and if you keep going for the next 10 years, then in 10 years' time you will be successful because if you're going to keep going and if you keep going for 10 years, by definition you've got to be successful. How could you do property for 10 years and not be successful at the end of 10 years? So just resolve to yourself no matter what's going to happen, you're going to keep on going. And if you do, then point six, if you just keep going, you can achieve more than you think will relate to you. Learning number seven, which is very much related, is keep on going no matter what. And this, I think, is something which we can quite often forget when we get a bit bogged down in all the problems, which can happen, and I'm not saying they won't happen, by the way, as I say, being totally honest with you and transparent, things happen, things happen. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. in life, things happen in property, things happen in business. It's never usually just smooth sailing, is it? Plain sailing. Things happen. But if you resolve to keep on going no matter what, then hopefully, if you're doing the right kind of stuff, then it should all come together for you. By the way, if you keep on going no matter what, and it's not working out for you, then it could well be that maybe you're just doing things in the wrong way, or maybe you're doing maybe you're doing the right things but in the wrong way, or you're doing the wrong things in the right way. But whatever it is, reviewing how you're getting on, having a look at what you're doing, making sure you have a periodic review, I think is a really important thing in business. 
Keep on going, though. If you find that you're doing the right thing in the wrong way, then you can tweak it. If you find you're just doing the wrong thing, then you can change what you're doing. But the key thing is not to give up, but to keep on going and to recognize and accept that things will happen which will try and derail you. And do you know that never changes? I spoke uh, before in the podcast and I mentioned it in the last point about how when I'd been doing property for a year, the bank didn't want to lend me any more money. That at the time was a really significant problem. But because, as I said in the last point, that because my experience has grown now, if that happened today, it would be much less of a problem. I'd find multiple ways now of actually getting around the problem of not being able to get conventional finance. But that's not to say that things don't happen now. Of course, I still have things which come along and which try and trip me up. I mentioned in the last podcast that hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be exchanging contracts on a commercial conversion. Well, what I didn't say, and which uh, I haven't sort of shouted about because it's just life, it just happens, but I've actually had three other commercial conversion properties lined up over the last couple of years, which I was going to buy. And for various reasons, every single one of those deals has fallen over and hasn't gone through. Three in a row. Can you believe? I could easily have given up after the first one. I could definitely have given up after the second one. And after the third one, you might think, well, Peter, isn't this just all a complete waste of time? Why don't you go and do something which does work? But no, because I know that this does work and these things just happen. It's a bit like buses, isn't it? Three come along which fall over. The next three will all go through, hopefully. And you just have to keep on going. So whatever happens, whatever life throws at you, whatever your property journey throws at you, just keep on going no matter what. Number eight on my list of things which I've learned over the last 20 years is it's possible to work smarter rather than harder. It's possible to work smarter rather than harder. Now, one of the things which I have learned over the last 20 years of investing in property for myself is that you shouldn't try to do everything on your own because by having help with the areas that are not in your flow, you can work smarter rather than harder and you can achieve so much more. I'm not sure why this is, but I often come across beginner investors who are struck down by an entrepreneurial curse. I see it so often, that's the only way I think I can describe it. Because this entrepreneurial curse means that they believe that because they're starting out on their own, they shouldn't involve other people. Almost like having other people involved is cheating in some kind of way. And I see this quite a lot in the property training sessions I take part in, like in Masterclass. I'll often meet investors, for example, who are based in areas like London, and maybe they want to do the BRR buy-to-let model, and they're looking around their area and they can see that properties in their location are too expensive and the yield doesn't really work. And when I suggest that they go looking for properties further afield, for example, and maybe working with a JV partner who can help them to source those properties, they look at me aghast as if this is almost cheating can I do that? Well, of course you can do that. Aren't I meant to do it all on my own? No, why? Why should you have to do it all on your own? But I understand because for many years I had the very same mindset and it took me quite a long time to realise that having help was actually a smart way to move forward. For years I worked almost entirely on my own. I was like before, it was really before I came across Progressive that I spent, what, 13, 14, 15 years sat in my home office, at my desk, all on my own, 
No human contact apart from Mrs. Jones, who is lovely, but Mrs. Jones isn't interested in property. And her view was, darling, if you're happy, I'm happy, but I'm not really very interested in property. So I was trying to do it all on my own. Now, obviously, when I say on my own, I did have help from managing agents and solicitors and mortgage brokers. They helped me with the day-to-day running of the business. But the sort of the big picture stuff, it was just all down to me. And I was very conscious that some of the stuff I was doing, I just wasn't very good at. And I was aware that this probably wasn't particularly good for my business. When we try to do everything on our own, we end up doing tasks which we shouldn't be doing, tasks which we aren't good at, and so we waste time. Time which could be better spent elsewhere doing other stuff which we are good at. So if you you take myself as an example, maths isn't a forte of mine, and I wouldn't consider myself to be a very detailed person, but rather somebody that considers the bigger picture. But it wasn't until I'd listened to a talk by our very own Mr. Rob Moore, on how we should leverage and outsource the tasks which are not in our flow, that I actually started to think about my weaknesses and to think about the kind of stuff which I could perhaps get somebody else to do rather than trying to do it all on my own. Because when I began in property, I knew what my I wanted my business to look like, but I wasn't particularly good at doing all the stuff which you need in order to, to support the business So I knew what my business should be. I had a vision. I knew where I was trying to get with the business, but I was finding myself getting bogged down with all the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff like bookkeeping and admin and filing. And tasks which are, I wouldn't say they're not important, they are important and they are necessary, but they weren't the kind of stuff which I think I should have been doing using my particular mindset and skill set. And so I'd listened to this talk by Rob, And I was thinking to myself as I was going home, how can I do this? Who can I get to help me? And I got home and I was still pondering this when suddenly across my field of vision walked the long-suffering Mrs. Jones. And I said, darling, would you mind if I leveraged you? And she said, darling, of course I don't mind. And so I leveraged her there and then. Yes, I really did say that. Did I really say that? Well, I did. And this is what I said. I said, look, would you mind helping me? Because I was having, I was getting so bogged down in stuff like the bookkeeping with the portfolio and everything. And my wife is very supportive. She's not terribly interested in property, but she's very, very supportive. And she said, sure, let me see what I can do. And it turned out actually that although I hate doing spreadsheets, the long-suffering Mrs. Jones actually enjoys doing the spreadsheets. Yes, she actually does enjoy it. And so we found this perfect synergy between the two of us, which was great. Now, it may be that your synergy isn't at home. I'm not necessarily saying that you should go and leverage your your partner or your spouse, although that might be right. I don't want to cause any trouble at home. But I mean, there, but there are people out there who can help us. And it wasn't, I mean, looking back now, it seems so crazy. I was just trying to do everything on my own. But If you don't know what you don't know, you don't know, do you? And I just thought that was the responsible adult thing to do. You know, it's my business, therefore I should do it. Now I realise it's completely different and I shouldn't have been thinking that way. So the key thing is, don't consider it to be cheating if you find somebody to do the stuff which you can't do or the stuff which you feel that you shouldn't be doing. It's actually working smarter. And by working smarter you can then work less hard to achieve your goals. Now, sometimes I feel a little bit bit guilty because I feel like I'm not really working hard. 
But if I was to talk to the long-suffering Mrs. Jones about it, she would say that I spend far too much time in my office, I spend far too much time working. But to me, it's not like work because I'm doing all the stuff which I'm good at and all the stuff which is in my flow. So find someone who you can work with, find someone who can complement and supplement your skills and abilities, and this will make your business far, far stronger. Taking this on to a whole new level is learning number nine, which is a JV can only be successful with the right JV partner. A JV can only be successful with the right JV partner. So when it comes to stuff like admin, bookkeeping, that kind of stuff, maybe there's plenty of people out there who we can work with, plenty of people who can help us. But if you're going to get involved in JVs, then you do definitely want to be looking for and finding and vetting the right JV partner. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, over the past couple of decades, 20 years or so of investing in property for myself, I've come to realize that working with just any old partner is not enough. You have to work with the right JV partner for a partnership to be fruitful. Just for a moment, though, before I go any further, let me just clarify what I mean by the term JV partner. So in this context, I mean a JV partner is somebody who you bring into the business either on a deal-by-deal basis or on a permanent basis like a business partner. So the partner, the JV partner, may be coming into the business to finance the deals and they may leave you to source the deals or it could be the other way around. Maybe you finance the deals and they source the deals. They may have a stake in your business or they may not. They may have a stake and be a shareholder in your limited company or a director and a shareholder in your limited company. Or as I say, they may just be coming in on a deal-by-deal basis. Or it could be that you structure your JV so that they don't actually have any ownership of the business or the properties, but they're just lending you some money and you're giving them a return uh, such as interest to uh, compensate them for the fact that they're lending you the money. There's so many different ways that you can structure this, by the way, that I'm not trying to make any hard and fast rules here. You know, if you know me by now, that I don't like hard and fast rules. It's whatever works for you. But there are a number of different ways that we can actually look at this. How the partnership is actually structured isn't actually important in the context of the point I'm making. What is important, though, is the quality of the partnership that you produce with your JV partner. And the quality of a JV partnership is going to be down to, if I can say this, the quality of the individual partners themselves, rather than the type of deal or rather than the amount of money that your JV partners bring to the table. And I think this is something which maybe quite a lot of us fail to understand and give much thought to when we go rushing out trying to find JV partners. Most investors, in my view, in my experience, tend to concern themselves with who they can bring into the business or who can help them source a particular type of deal or who's got the money to allow them to do the deals that they want to do, which are all valid points. But I've come to realise that whether the JV is going to succeed or not will often be down to the quality of the actual person themselves, not just what they bring to the the JV, not just what they bring to the partnership. And I know this from personal experience because over the years, I've tended to partner with people who I like. 
And nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think, you know, you've got if you're going to do business with somebody, it'd be nice to do business with somebody you like. If you're doing business with somebody who you dislike immensely, that could be quite tough. And I know sometimes, it depending upon your personality type, that may or may not resonate. Sometimes I talk to people and they just look at me a bit blankly and say, well, surely it's all down to the figures. I don't really care whether I like them or not. And that's absolutely fine. If that's how your personality is, that's fine. Then for you, it is all just down to the figures. But for me, it's I'm also quite a personable kind of person. And so I need to resonate and empathise and click with a JV partner or else I just don't feel very happy. And to be honest, I don't care how much money I'm going to make, the, the happiness, if the happiness isn't there, then I, I don't really care about the money, which for some of you may sound a bit strange, but there we go. We have to understand our own flow and what works for us. So a lot of the JV partners who I was dealing with were great friends. If they weren't great friends, then they were at least close acquaintances. And whilst these partnerships have provided great friendships, they haven't always been right for my business. And because of that, they didn't always work out as planned. It turned out that these JV partners were good as friends, but they weren't necessarily good as JV partners. And in fact, if I'd known then what I know now, I would probably have sourced a completely different type of JV partner. Now, having said that it's important that I like them. I think that is still true, but that wouldn't be the only criteria and qualification. I'd be looking for somebody now who I'd like, who I also could see was very competent and who could achieve the things that needed to be achieved, and particularly that they could deliver on the stuff that they said that they could deliver on. So with this in mind, I suppose the lesson out of this point is that you should take time to consider the qualities that you need your JV partner to have, not just in terms of the practicalities like sourcing properties or bringing in the money, but also how they may complement your skills. Ask yourself if these skills would work in conjunction with your own and whether they supplement or detract from what you're trying to do. And then if it's important to you, like it is to me, then you can probably consider whether you actually like them as people and whether they're the sort of people you want to spend time doing business with. Bottom line is, a JV can only be successful with the right JV partner. So don't just think about how am I going to get the deal or how am I going to get the money, but also look carefully at the person who you're dealing with because you might be stuck with that person for a very long time depending upon what happens in your business. And then number 10 on my list of 10 things that I've learned over the last 20 years investing in property in my own right is the time to take action is now. Yes, the time to take action is now. So stop procrastinating and get started. And this might sound a little bit ironic, but actually I found it quite difficult to get started in property. I'd considered getting started in property for quite a few years before it actually happened. But the the decision was really taken out of my hands because my former employer probably did what was the best thing that could ever happen to me, although it didn't feel it at the time, and that was making me redundant because it forced me to get started there and then. And up until that time, I had procrastinated because I wanted to get into property, I wanted to do it for myself, but I just felt it would be very irresponsible just to leave what was a very well-paid job and a very good position. But once the decision was made, once I was made redundant, the recession of the 1990s was 
painful for many people, myself included, but it turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened for me personally because it made me do what I always wanted to do. It made me follow my heart. And if I hadn't gone out and got into property, then I would have gone broke. And with a family to feed, that obviously wasn't an option. Because up until then, any steps I had taken towards being in property had been very small steps. And it was really hard for me to sort of get my mindset into the right place to take the action that I needed to take. So I don't know where you are in your property journey and I don't know what your circumstances are and I don't know what the things are that are holding you back. But the big lesson is you've got to get started now. Don't wait a year. Definitely don't wait five years or ten years. But just get started now. And let's be honest... If we want to, we can always find excuses and reasons not to start now. There's always a reason why it should be next week or next month or next year. Don't let that happen. You have to do it now. So often when we talk about property, so often people will say something like, well, I wish I'd started 10 years ago. But why didn't you start 10 years ago? Well, I don't know why you didn't start 10 years ago. Maybe there were legitimate reasons. But so often, 99 times out of 100, the legitimate reasons aren't really that legitimate, if that makes sense. It's just that you didn't get started. So if you wish that you got started 10 years ago, when's the next best time to start? Well, we all know, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's now, isn't it? So don't put it off. Now, if you've already started, then don't put off doing the things which are actually going to grow your business. Don't buy one property and then rest on your laurels. If you've got a proper vision for where you're going and if you've got a proper plan, if you've prepared your goals, if you know what your goals are, make sure that you keep diligently working towards achieving those goals and that vision. And, you know, one thing which I think stops a lot of people from taking action is they want everything to be perfect before they start. They want to create a perfect plan. They want the market to be perfect before they start. They want to find the perfect source of finance on perfect terms. They want to find the perfect deal. Perfection does not exist. For our purposes, forget perfection. Just get out there and do something, because quite often doing something is good enough. And it may not be the very best, but do you know what? If you go out tomorrow and you buy a property which isn't the very best property, do you think in 10 years' time you're going to be kicking yourself and thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't bought that property, it's not the very best. No, of course you're not. You're going to be thinking, I'm so glad I bought that property. Because in 10 years' time, hopefully, who knows, it may have doubled in value. You may have received thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds in cash flow from it. I don't know. It's probably not, as my managing agent in Newcastle would say, going to be doing you any harm. So don't look for perfection. Imperfect action is fine. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was listening to uh, a very clever man who's an investor talking, and he said this. He said, the greatest investors are those that can make quick decisions using incomplete or imperfect information. I think that's brilliant, so I'm going to say it again. The greatest investors are those that can make quick decisions using incomplete or imperfect information. So let's, let's have a think about this. These individuals know that their information is incomplete or imperfect, but they make a decision anyway. Taking it to the point which I'm making, they make a decision and then they take action upon that decision. Unlike other people, 
They don't wait until they have all their ducks in a row to take action. They don't wait until they have all the information. They don't wait until they've got all the perfect information. They make quick decisions using incomplete or imperfect information, and then they act on it. And that is why they are successful investors. Now, it sounds a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because I'm not saying don't do your due diligence. I'm not saying don't use your common sense. I'm not saying don't think it through. But if you wait for perfection, if you wait until you know everything, you're not going to do anything. So there we are. Don't wait to get started. Stop procrastinating. Take action now. Don't find excuses which will justify you not taking action. And vow to continue no matter what. Once you get started, no matter what's thrown at you, just keep going. So there we are. I hope you found this little mini series of podcasts helpful. 10 things which I've learned. Uh, Probably I could do another 10. Maybe I will. Maybe in a future podcast I'll do sort of the the next 10. We'll go from 11 through to 20 and we'll see where we get to. But those are 10 of the most important things which I've learned over the last 20 years investing in my own right. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you want to know more about me, Peter Jones, then come to my website, www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk. Some great resources there, some paid for, some free. Be great to see you there. See my blog, loads of videos, loads of good stuff, which will help you on your property journey as well. Otherwise, until the next podcast, here's to successful property investing. <laughs>